Broadcasting live from the KVXL studios at Liberty Baptist Church in Las Vegas. Freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. The Frittle Show with Crystal Heath. I've said that we must be cautious in claiming God is on our side. I think the real question we must answer is, are we on his side? Faith, family, freedom. For me, it's very simple. I think we've got to, we've got to get the country back on the right track with the most inspiring agenda. A voice in the desert. Now, here's Crystal Heath. Hello, everyone. Happy day to you. Wednesday. It's Wednesday. <laughs> oh, it's been a long but wonderful week so far for me. Not sure about you, but you're listening to The Frittle Show on KVXL Experience Liberty Radio. We're coming to you live from Studio B at Liberty Baptist Church. We're located on Rainbow and Lake Mead Boulevard here in the city. If you'd like to join us, if you have questions, suggestions, comments, thoughts, concerns, complaints, anything you'd like to share with us, you can email radio at experienceliberty.com or call us at 702-647-4522. And of course, if you'd like to find me, you can get in touch with me on Twitter at the Friddle. So I'm excited. We're, we have this new ministry that our church is doing this summer. Uh, we're doing a Bible club ministry, and then we're also helping with the uh, summer uh, school lunch program where uh, obviously school lunches aren't available to children anymore during the summer, but there are a number of nonprofit organizations in the city that are uh, continuing the program for children in need through the summer. And we've been able to partner with a group called Three Square to provide meals to hungry kids the past few weeks. I think last week we gave out over 200 meals to hungry kids, which was fantastic. And then uh, on Tuesdays and Thursdays, we're also we've started doing a Bible club in the apartment complex where we're doing the uh, the food program. And last night we had a Bible club. We had 20 kids get saved. It's just really, really exciting opportunity. Um, and you can be part of it. If you are here at Liberty or here in Las Vegas and you'd like to join us, we would love to have uh, you help. We had almost uh, 60 kids throughout the night show up to play games and sing songs and do stories with us. So it was a, it was a really a fantastic time. God really blessed there, and we're grateful for that. Another big news in my world, which is probably why I'm very tired today, <laughs> is that uh, two of my sisters are here, my two youngest sisters are out here for the summer in Las Vegas. They are serving here at our church. It is great to have them with us, and uh, they were able to lead, uh, between the two of them, I think they led seven kids to Christ last night, which was awesome to see. And my mom is also here. My mom flew in with them on Monday night. She's flying back to Pennsylvania this morning, so it's been good to have her here, even though it was a very quick trip. Liberty, my dog, oh my goodness. She loves people. She thinks that the last few days have been the best days of her life I think because there's just been people she's got people at home all the time she's like this is fantastic she's really happy also in case you didn't notice if you're living in Las Vegas it is super hot out now um because we live in a desert so this is you know what happens when you live in a desert it gets hot so I just want to remind you all actually the entire southwest if you're in the southwest the temperatures the past uh, few days have been well, literally record-breaking here. We broke a record, uh, I think it was Monday, we broke the, the record for the high. So don't forget to stay hydrated. Very important. We don't want anyone suffering from heat stroke or anything like that. But anyway, uh, we haven't done much by way of headlines the last few days, so we're going to just go through some news because there's a lot happening in the world. 
from from every different perspective. Congrats to the Cavaliers on winning the NBA Finals. That was a pretty amazing comeback. I mean, I honestly, I don't really care about basketball, but I know that a lot of people do. And if you're a Cavaliers fan, you're very happy. If you're a Warriors fan, you're not so happy. And uh, so apologies to those of you that are that are Warriors fans. But you know what? The Cavs got one, and we can we can rejoice with those, with those that rejoice because I don't care about either team, so that's easy for me to say. Let's see. What else do we have? Oh, we had the U.S. men's team. This was sad. Our national soccer team lost to Argentina last night 4-0, to which uh, I think... I don't think there were many people that thought that we could actually win that game. I mean, Messi is just too good. He's an Argentinian. Wish he was an American. Then we would be, like, unstoppable because he makes Argentina unstoppable. Argent? Is that even? No. Wait. Yeah, Argentinian. Okay. Uh, For some reason in my brain, that just wasn't sounding right there. For a second, uh, but then uh, you know, across the way over in Brazil, Rio de Janeiro has declared a state of emergency, which makes one wonder: at what point does the Olympic Committee consider changing their venue? This is from the Huffington Post. Rio de Janeiro's governor declared a state of financial emergency Friday and requested federal funds to help fulfill obligations for public services during the Olympics. Like the dude is literally saying. Uh, we we can't actually have the Olympics because um, our cities our city can't do that right now. He said emergency measures are needed to avoid a total collapse in public security, health, education, transportation, and environmental management. So let's let's think about this for a second. We're having the Olympics. All the world's top athletes, every nation of the world represented. I'm not sure if every nation. I'm not sure if everyone qualified, but anyway. Total collapse in security, health, education, transport, environmental management. Let's just stick with those two. Security? You think security might be semi-important at the Olympic Games? And health. You've got the Zika virus. I mean, honestly, if I was an Olympian, I don't think I would go. I'm not sure that it's worth the risk. And you could argue, well, patriotism and, oh, it's not that bad and all that stuff. Have you seen what Zika does? It's not cool. And all the world's a flutter this morning because Rory McIlroy, the amazing American golfer, said that he's going to skip the Olympics because of Zika. And honestly, I mean, I don't blame him. This is from CBS Sports. Rory McIlroy released released a statement on Wednesday saying that he will not play in the 2016 Rio Olympics even though he confirmed he would three weeks ago. I've come to realize that my health and my family's health comes before anything else. Even though the risk of infection from the Zika virus is considered low, it is a risk nonetheless and a risk I am unwilling to take. As a result of McElroy's actions here, compounded with those of some of golf's other uh, top stars, golf in the 2024 Olympics just took a major blow. The sport, which is invading the Olympic Games for the first time in over a century, is only guaranteed a spot in the next two games through 2020. After the 2016 Games, there will be a vote to determine whether golf will be in the Olympics beyond 2020. Now its biggest global star has pulled out of Rio, which means the dominoes might be about to fall on golf in the Olympics. Interesting. Because McElroy is is kind of a leader, in case you, you didn't know. And other guys, when they see him do this, are going to be like, um, I'm not sure I'm going to go. 
you know, Jordan Spieth, who's a superstar, he's going <laughs> to, he has a great career ahead of him. And then Ricky Fowler, they were starting to question it a little bit last week when they were asked if they were going to stick with the Olympics. And now that McElroy's dropped out, I wouldn't be surprised if, uh, if they follow suit, you know, and I don't understand why people are upset with them. I mean, I guess, and actually, I'm sorry, McElroy's not even American. He's Irish. Um, but I, I, I don't know if it's a risk you take, especially if you have a family like Rory does. It's not, might not be worth it. All right, so uh, let's go to, uh, what do we want to do? There's so much happening in the world today. Let's do, uh, let's talk about this from the Conservative Tribune. Egypt has charged President Barack Obama and former Secretary of State Hillary Clinton with conspiring with terrorists, a.k.a. the Muslim Brotherhood. The Muslim Brotherhood, who took power in Egypt following the Arab Spring, Spring, were recently ousted by the Egyptian military and declared a terrorist organization. Even still, they have been embraced by President Obama, invited into his administration, placed on a hands-off list protecting them, and they're even setting up their own official political party here in the United States. If that doesn't scare you, you may want to check your, your pulse. Unfortunately, the mother Muslim Brotherhood ultimately seeks to implement Sharia law. Yes, that is unfortunate. <laughs> and to convert or kill every Christian or Jew that doesn't share their faith. It should be remembered that while the Muslim Brotherhood was in charge in Egypt, Obama showered them with praise and provided billions of dollars in aid, arms, tanks, and planes. Egypt hasn't forgotten the support offered to the Muslim Brotherhood by Obama and has now charged Obama and Hillary Clinton for conspiring and collaborating with them and their terrorist activities. In two separate criminal complaints, they have been charged. Uh, President Obama has been named an accessory to crimes committed by the Muslim Brotherhood. Some of these crimes include murder, rape, torture, extortion, bribery, enslavement, and the ethnic cleansing of Egyptian Coptic Christians. According to one of the criminal charges, Hillary Clinton was found to be working with ousted Muslim Brotherhood President Mohamed Morsi's wife, Nagla Mahmoud, in attempting to overthrow the current leader of Egypt, General Abdel Fattah al-Sisi. <laughs> there is also a charge that Obama and Hillary attempted to bribe the Muslim Brotherhood with $8 billion to turn over part of the Sinai Peninsula to Hamas in order for them to launch attacks against Israel. Can anyone tell me what... Why we aren't hearing about this on the news? They offered the Muslim Brotherhood $8 billion to turn over part of the Sinai Peninsula to Hamas? This is what a nation is charging our president and former Secretary of State with. And somehow, we, we, we aren't talking about it. Just, can anyone explain to me why? Egypt. Egypt. This isn't like, you know, some random little country that's decided they, they want to make a name for themselves, and so therefore they're going to charge the U.S. president with something so that they can get five minutes of fame. No, this is Egypt. This is Egypt charging, in a court of law, our president and former secretary of state with conspiring with terrorists, aiding and abetting them, and even potentially offering a bribe to a terrorist organization in order to buy a piece of land of them to hand it over to another terrorist organization so that they can launch attacks against Israel from 
said Sinai Peninsula. It's outrageous. And since, since, you know, I mentioned Israel, we'll just, we're going to go that direction. The Southern Baptist Convention earlier this week passed a resolution in support of Israel. I believe this was actually, it was yesterday. Yeah, yesterday afternoon, I believe they did this. Or maybe in the morning. I don't remember. It was, it was this week. Anyway, um, the Southern Baptist Convention, this is from Algemanier. The Southern Baptist Convention adopted a resolution reaffirming the church's support and prayers for Israel, as well as condemning the boycott, divestment, and sanctions movement. Pretty good. Matt Staver, founder and chairman of Liberty Council, a nonprofit that promotes religious freedom and family issues, stressed the importance of the resolution's timing. He said there has never been a more important time for Christians to support Israel and its right to exist as a sovereign nation. Staver, a member of the uh, Southern Baptist Convention's Resolution Committee, added that he is pleased that this year's Southern Baptist Convention took a stand in support of Israel and in opposition to the boycott, divestment, and sanctions movement. Frankly, with Israel as a world leader in technological and medical inventions, it is foolish to boycott Israel. Um, SBC's move comes amid a debate among its Christian counterparts in mainline Protestant churches over whether to adopt resolutions supporting the boycott movement. During the past several years, a number of leading mainline Protestant churches, including the United Church of Christ, Presbyterian Church USA, the Episcopal Church, and most recently the United Methodist Church, have considered or voted on pro-boycott resolutions. The Southern Baptist Convention, which is the large, which is the country's largest Protestant denomination with an estimated 15.3 million members, recently held its annual meeting of church delegates in St. Louis. This is the resolution that they uh, that they have issued. I'm just going to read it to you because it's it's fairly it's fairly strong. This is whereas the Old Testament declares God's promise to Abram, I will make you into a great nation. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse those who treat you with contempt and all the peoples of the earth will be blessed through you. Presumably that's the NIV version. Genesis 12, 1 through 3. And whereas Israel represents the descendants of Jacob as an ethnic, cultural, and national entity. Genesis 32, 28. And whereas the New Testament affirms that salvation is from the Jews and that God's working concerning Israel will be fulfilled. John 4, 22. And whereas we are to pray for the peace of Jerusalem and for the salvation of Israel. Psalm 122, 6 through 7. And whereas we share with the nation of Israel many values as the only democratic ally of the United States in the Middle East, and whereas the boycott, divestment, and sanctions movement seeks to isolate the nation of Israel economically and socially, and whereas we are concerned by anti-Israel activities in this country with certain university campuses, academic and professional associations, and popular culture, and whereas we thankfully remember that we are indebted to the Jewish people who gave us much of our Bible and our Lord Jesus Christ the Messiah, now, therefore, be it resolved that the messengers to the Southern Baptist Convention meeting in St. Louis, Missouri, June 14 through 15, 2016, commit to bless Israel, and be it further resolved that we support the right of Israel to exist as a sovereign state and reject any activities that attack that right by promoting economic cultural and academic boycotts against Israel, and be it finally resolved that at this critical time when dangerous forces are mounting up against the nation of Israel, we recommit ourselves to pray for God's peace to rule in Jerusalem and for the salvation of Israel, for the gospel is God's power for salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew. Romans 1, 16. Love it. Well done, Southern Baptists. 
love your support and prayer for Israel resolution from 2016. And they're right. Right now, Israel needs that more than ever before. Today's programming is brought to you by Krispy Kreme Donuts Fundraising Opportunities. I had Krispy Kreme. When did I have it? Monday night. Fresh. Hot. Mm. Krispy Kreme fundraisers are available year-round. They can take place over one to two days or one to two weeks. If your educational, religious community, or charitable cause is looking for a fun way to meet your financial goals, Krispy Kreme can help. Krispy Kreme provides free fundraising materials for your use. You can visit KrispyKreme.com slash fundraising or your local Krispy Kreme to learn more. Our thanks to Krispy Kreme for their support of KVXL programming. A reminder for you, if you are here in Las Vegas, tonight begins our annual missions conference. It'll run tonight, uh, tomorrow night, Friday night, and then we will conclude things on Sunday, but tonight is our kickoff. You do not want to miss it. Our service begins at 7 p.m. If you are here in Las Vegas, we're located at 6501 West Lake Mead Boulevard, and we would love to have you uh, join us and be part of of that. I think you will be blessed. Uh, Missionary Justice Banwell is going to be speaking this evening, and you will enjoy him. If you are not in Las Vegas, you can still uh, you can stream our services. If you go to experienceliberty.com, our website, and click on our live stream link, you can watch our missions conference. I think we'll be uh, streaming tonight's service as well, but we won't be on, on radio, I mean, we won't, it won't be on radio for Thursday and Friday, so if you'd like to see those services, you'll want to watch it via uh, video if you're not able to be here live. All right, we are going to play, what are we going to play? We're going to play Whom Shall I Fear, David Wesley, a cappella, and we'll be back in just a minute. Derek Monjur from Arete Scholars is joining us today. We're going to talk about some education issues. We'll be back in just a minute. Don't go away. And welcome back. You're listening to The Frittle Show on KVXL 101.1 FM here in Las Vegas. Today we have Derek Monjur from Arete Scholars. How do you say your last name, Derek? Manjuri. Manjuri. I knew I said it wrong. many different ways. <laughs> it's not a problem at all. Is that not French? I probably asked you this the last time. No, it's not. It's misspelled Italian. It's misspelled Italian. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I am... It's a French influence. I am from New Orleans, and um, I didn't know my dad's side of the family at all. They were all all gone before I was born. Um, but my great grandfather, this is more than probably you listeners want to know, but my great grandfather no, came over in, in 1872, straight from um, an island actually off of Sicily. Okay. And uh, actually. Uh, truly had no papers at all with him, and that's how they spelled the name. It's supposed to be M-A-G-G-I-O-R-E. Oh, wow. Yeah, no, it, uh, that would definitely look more Italian. <laughs> than... Yes. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> well, you know, um, sorry to, to start you off with a story about your, your last name, but I, I find... No, I love it. That stuff fascinates me. So anyway, uh, you're you're with Arete. Uh, we our church has been working with you guys a little bit. Um, we want to talk about education today, but first, why don't you just remind us? I know we had you on once before, but for maybe those that missed it the last time, tell us a little bit about what Arete is and what you guys do. Well, Arete is a, it's a nonprofit, and we're involved in offering educational opportunities through scholarships. Uh, to low-income families or families in need that otherwise would not have any opportunity besides uh, their local public school. That would be the only choice they would have. So in in that scenario, um, a 
child's education is predicated solely on zip code. Sure. And so um, if a family's faced uh, with a school that's not meeting their child's needs, they don't see that their child is, is growing, isn't flourishing, uh, then may not even be through a fault of the school. just mm-hmm. may be different needs for that child. Uh, we help provide scholarships to make opportunities of moving to uh, a more suitable educational environment possible. Yeah, exactly. I, I love what you guys are doing. Um, and we'll, we'll circle back around to that here in a little bit. And really, I think it's it's wound throughout everything that we're going to be talking about today because your mission, I think, is you know who a lot of who you are. Uh, so your questions will, will, or my questions, will weave into that. But uh, obviously here in Nevada, education is something people have been thinking about a lot lately. We just had our, uh, our primary election, so we were picking... Uh, school board trustees and different things here in the city of Las Vegas. And then, you know, we have the ESAs, which are a big thing out here. Uh, now the Nevada right. Educational Choice Scholarship Program. So talk about a little bit the need or the benefits of, of being able to choose a school rather than just being boxed into your zip code. Why is that something that parents should want or should be advocating for to be able to choose a different school? Well, I think it takes... Um first and foremost for for parents is a a paradigm shift to understanding that um, the clients of an education, so to speak, or the customers are our children. And the delivery of education should be based on what's best for those kids and not what's best for a particular system, whether it's public or private, Mm. homeschooled whatever the delivery method may be. So that's the first thing. Parents need to, and I think most of them are there. You know, They're mostly and right. interested in what's best for their children, and they should be. They're the primary caretakers for their children, and those decisions should be the parents. Yeah. Um, secondly, we just need to realize that these, the children that we're educating who are stuck in an educational model that maybe isn't serving them well Mm. are not flourishing so and and they don't know uh, most of these kids who are in failing public schools primarily is is what i'm referring to yeah Um, the schools that are overcrowded those children they can't even form categories of what life really should be about they can't even dream this is what i would like to be because this is all they see around them is the same thing um in the adults and kids in school when they get out, breaking out of a poorer neighborhood, not necessarily to become wealthy, but just to have different opportunities for um, life. They can't even think beyond that. So uh, all of you is educate that up and put the focus back where it needs to be on our children and what is best for them and what could give them a life in which they flourish. Right, exactly, because that's the, that's the point of, of their education or of education, period. Um, but what, right. you know, and that's something that, that I appreciate about uh, our our pastor here at Liberty, you've met him, is that he saw a need uh, for an alternative educational choice for families in our area, and he, uh, he started a Christian school here at our church many years ago, and... Uh, I just talk about that for a minute, if you would, the importance 
of Christian education because it was it was a need that he saw and he said, hey, we need to have a Christian school. Why would someone say we need a Christian school and why is a Christian education something that especially Christian parents that they should consider? Yeah, we, we could do a series <laughs> on this. This is it's a hot button for me. Um, why do we need to do that is because it's what God commands us to do. Mm. So in Ephesians 6, I think we talked about this on the last show, when when Paul uh, is talking to fathers, he, he says, Fathers, um, raise your children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. First he says that don't bring them up in wrath, but raise them in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And that couplet there, nurture and admonition, discipline and instruction, however it's translated, is the Greek paideia is used there. And that was the ancient Greek system of education. And the point of the Greek system of education was primarily to pass on Greek culture. And how do we raise virtuous, excellent citizens who can carry on the work of the Greek empire? This is their inheritance. How do we cultivate these children to take care of the inheritance we're giving them? And so Paul writing to Greeks who knew very well what Paideia meant, and it was their all-encompassing it, – it, it's, not, it's not just K-12. to I mean it's, right. it's everything. Um, told them, you are not raising children to inherit merely the Greek culture or empire. You raise your children to be excellent, virtuous citizens of the kingdom of God. You raise your children to be great worshipers, and that's the goal of education. And that, when we talked last time, it harkens back to Deuteronomy 6 and the Shema that you teach your children all about everything about that I've commanded you in every aspect of their life, every point of the day. This is what it means to educate your children. So we have to do that. That's not an option as a Christian. That's something that we have to do. And I believe pulpits like your pastor need to recover this and remind Christian families that that's the primary goal of an education. Um, So that's why we need to do it, because I really believe God commands us to do it. Now, that doesn't – and that command does not say then you need to do it this way and use this mode only, but you have to do this. So how are you going to make that happen? We have to start from there. Yeah, and I think, you know, obviously, and and you would say this, uh, the ultimate responsibility for the education of a child and the Christian upbringing of a child is with the parent. But the fact of the matter is, if your child, if you're not, unless you're homeschooling, your child then is going to a school where they're spending, you know, at least 30, maybe 40, maybe 50 hours a week, depending on their extracurricular activities, being taught by someone else. I mean, even if it's you know, basketball or soccer or whatever it is, they're still being taught by someone. And that's a huge amount of time. So it is. the question <laughs> is, who do you want influencing your child for that much time? That's exactly right. I mean, a- Abraham Kuyper, the, the Dutch prime minister, journalist, theologian, uh, I'm going to get quote wrong, but, you know, he said there's <laughs> not one square inch over the entire domain of the world over which Christ does not claim mm. mine. And you just picture him planting a flag. So there's not one activity where neutrality exists. So your child's being influenced in some way 
in everything that they do yeah. and who, as you say, is doing the influencing, who's controlling what's being taught, who's controlling the curriculum, who's writing the textbooks, how are they being influenced? And, uh, you know, r- really, as Christians, we need to fundamentally ask the question, what is an education for? Mm. And I think Paul answers that in Ephesians 6, but we tend to adopt and assume the categories given to us by our culture. Mm-hmm. And so we primarily think of education as academics, getting good grades, to get into a good school, to get a good job. And those are all noble and good things, and we have to, as Christians, uh be first rate in our academics and strive to do our best and our children need to know these things. But what undergirds it all, I'm reading, currently reading a book by James K.A. Smith, You Are What You Love. He's mm-hmm. a wonderful author. I would, I would suggest him highly to any of your listeners. But he's recovering in this book an, an idea um, that education is, and Lewis talks about this a lot too, C.S. Lewis, especially in The Abolition of Man. Mm-hmm. Um, education is an attempt to recover attending to our children's loves. Hmm. So how do they rightly order their affections? Yeah. And you, you get to this idea if you say, um, you know, candy and kids. You know, if they don't, we see it easily when we try to teach them what to eat. You know, say, hey, here's a bowl <laughs> of M&Ms for breakfast. That would be an inordinate love of candy or in their diet. Yeah. It's, it's the same thing with our affections and our desires. They have to be pointed toward God always as the end. And an education is rightly ordering, helping a child order those loves um, so that they can become uh, more complete and find, as Augustine said, their rest in him. Yeah. And now I'm very distracted by the thought of a bowl of M&Ms with milk and if that would actually be good that's a, i pretty much just missed your entire last two sentences because i was like yeah, huh no that's okay i'm sitting here i'm like i'm an adult if i wanted a bowl of m&ms for breakfast i could try could that but would yeah. it actually be good if i poured milk on the m&ms i'm not sure how i feel about that like is the coating gonna melt <laughs> off then is it colors i don't anyway sorry that's how my brain works i'm just like hmm. no i understand <laughs> well i mean maybe one one other illustration i'm not sure if this would work for your listeners but in that and this is early on in that book by by jamie smith he talks about how our culture we've seeded uh, given over to our culture the goodness of desire yeah and we as christians don't even have a category now for eros which you know a derivative of the greek eros which is love is erotic mm. and so if you mention that you know, it's it's all kinds of blinders come on. Sure. So he says there's a false dichotomy between eros and agape, which most Christians recognize as godly love. Mm-hmm. But he says in there that there's not really a dichotomy. Agape is eros rightly ordered. So those desires yeah. you have rightly ordered toward God is what agape helps in disciplining eros, which is what we need to recover. We have a lot, you know, Lewis wrote in the, um, now I'm, I'm just on tangents, but in the, in the weight of glory, you know, he, he has that wonderful quote that ends with, we are far too easily pleased. Mm-hmm. And so 
all of these distractions we have, whether it's false views of eros and love and pleasure, you know, he sets up that picture as a child being satisfied in a mud puddle with mud patties when a vacation at sea is what's offered them. Mm-hmm. Right? We can't even picture that. Yeah. Yeah, so, no, you're exactly right. That's so good. I love that. And and I love C.S. Lewis. He's an amazing Can I give you author. one more? Yeah, go for it. I give you, it's in the same book with uh, Jamie Smith, and he starts to quote from the, the, the children's novel, Little Prince. And he's, he's given – this is illustrative of education. You know, we want to teach kids um, all the steps and instructions on how to do something. And think of this as how to get into a, a good school, making good grades. But here's, here's what he says about in The Little Prince. He says it succinctly encapsulates the motive power of allure. He says, if you want to build a ship, he counsels, don't drum up people to collect wood and don't assign them tasks and work, but rather teach them to long for the endless immensity of the sea. Mm. So it's the vision that's before us, right? Yeah. What is that? And that's what really drives us. And I, I think as Christians, we're sold short on a lot of those things. And Lewis is absolutely right. We're far too easily pleased. Yeah. And I think that that relates well to to a Christian education versus even a public school education as well. And there's a lot of fantastic public schools and many, many great teachers. So I'm not I'm not knocking public education. But at the same time, mm-hmm. I think often in our public schools, we're handing kids planks of wood and saying, okay, now nail it to the next one. We're not giving them that vision because in the public school, we can't teach a, a life purpose per se when our purpose in life is to glorify God and we've kicked God out of our public schools. So in order to have that vision, to build that vision, to see the sea, as it were, I think a Christian education is, is vital to that. Absolutely. Yeah, I think it's indispensable. Yeah, and that's something that you guys are doing. We'll, we'll bring the ship back around, as it were, no pun intended. <laughs> uh, that's what a rete does. You're giving kids the opportunity where if they're in a school where they can't figure out how to put the planks together, you're helping them transition into a different school that is better suited to their needs. So uh, tell us a little bit more about uh, about how you guys are doing that, especially with like low-income families and, uh, and how we can, we can help? Well, we, we um, right now currently have scholarships in 10 different states, and there's really three ways that we're doing this. Uh, in Georgia, primarily where we started and where our headquarters are, um, it's through tax credits in Georgia. So individuals and companies in lieu of paying state tax can make donations to us, and they get a dollar-for-dollar tax credit. And then we just open up applications to families of a certain income bracket, lower income. They apply to us, and if they meet the income requirements, we award them a scholarship, and then they can take that to the school of their desire. And it has to be a private school. It doesn't have to be a Christian school, but it just has to be private. And we do something similar in Louisiana. And um, over seven years... It's been a little bit more than $25 million worth of scholarships and about 5,500 scholarships offered. Wow. But we've started a, a, a new initiative, which is geared toward um, classical Christian education. 
and we're calling it, it's brand new, it's called Project 432 after Acts 432, where all the disciples, brothers and sisters, were in full unity, mm-hmm. you know, Christ's high priestly prayer in John 17, which we often forget, you know, if James tells us the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much, Yeah. when Jesus when Jesus prayed to his Father that the church would be one as he and the Father are one, it's going to happen. Yeah. You know, <laughs> so, and we see early glimpses of that in Acts in 432. They held everything in common. They did not consider anything that was their own, that they owned to be theirs, mm-hmm. but they held things in common and, and took care of those in need. And so Project 432 is an attempt, an appeal to Christians to crowdsource and fund scholarships for families in need, in financial need, just straight charitable giving. Mm. You're not going to get a tax credit. You're not going to get a rebate. But if we can give $10, $25, whatever a month, we could affect some real change for God's kingdom. Yeah. And that, if folks want to find out more about that or just to donate, that is project432.org. Awesome. That's fantastic. I didn't know about that. Project432.org. And then uh, if there's yes. uh, business individuals listening or those that would like to learn more about donating uh, and the tax benefits of that, that is, is it arete.org? AreteScholars.org. AreteScholars.org. And it's A-R-E-T-E. So AreteScholars.org. Derek, I, uh, I appreciate you taking time to join us this morning. Unfortunately, I have to take a break now, so I'm going to have to hang up on you. Mm. That's fine. It's very sad, actually. Problem. It's the saddest part of the show. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard, but I won't. I, I won't develop a complex about it. All right, okay. all right. Yes, please don't. And we will. <laughs> we will have you back soon. Thank you for all that you are doing, uh, and for all that Arete is doing. Excited about it. it's Project Four Thirty Two. Project Four Thirty Two dot org or ArreteScholars.org. dot org. Awesome. Thank you, Crystal. All right, you have a great day, everyone. You're listening to KVXL one hundred one point one FM in Las Vegas. We're gonna play Chris Tomlin with Greater, and we'll be back in just a minute. It's official. We talked about this a little bit earlier this week, but Marco Rubio is officially saying he will seek re-election to the Senate, reversing his previous decision to no longer run for that office that he is currently filling. Personally, and we talked about this before, so I'm not going to take a lot of time on it, but I I think it's a great decision. I think that Marco Rubio is a strong voice in the Senate. I think he's a voice that we need, and I'm excited about uh, his most probable re-election there. I think two of his competitors haven't dropped out, but uh, he will still probably... Probably that's going to happen for him. So we're happy for Senator Marco Rubio and uh, wish him the best of luck in his race. We're going to go out today to shout to the Lord. Hope you all have a fantastic day. We'll see you back here tomorrow on KVXL101.com. By the way, if you've been trying to stream us online, our apologies for that. We had a power outage uh, on Sunday, and our stream has been down since then. We haven't been able to figure out why it's not coming back up, but hopefully by the end of this week we'll have that. You can also catch podcasts, past podcasts of the show on iTunes. Just search for The Frittle Show. We're also on SoundCloud if you have an Android device. SoundCloud.com slash The Frittle Show. Have a great day. See you back here tomorrow.